Ninth Story Studios, giving story a voice. This is Addison Peacock, and you're listening to The Wicked Library. Warning. The Wicked Library is a horror fiction podcast created for a mature audience. Our stories contain graphic descriptions of pain, murder, violence, blood, betrayal, and inhumanity. Monsters win, people die, and hope is often shattered. There is also beauty, heart, catharsis, and raw emotion. Fear may be deeply personal, but we all share it. If at any time a story takes you to a place too dark, turn on the lights, press pause, or press stop. And always remember that unlike in the real world, these nightmares and your participation in them are under your control. Welcome to the Wicked Library. I'm Daniel Foytek, and I thank you for listening. A sincere thank you to those of you who are supporting the show. Without you, this show would not be possible. This season, all episodes are heard first by Patreon supporters, and later shared with the full audience. When you support the show, you can choose between ad-free episodes, early access to the stories, and at higher levels of support, you'll get premier access to Enfield Detective Agency, currently in production. That's right, Frank is coming back, and to your ears soon. You can support the show at patreon.com forward slash Wicked Library. A lot of hard work and money goes into making the Wicked Library, and I really do rely on this support to help me pay the authors, voice actors, composer, and artists, so that none of the Wicked Library's contributors work for free. For as little as $3 a month, you can help make the show you love possible at patreon.com forward slash Wicked Library. Now, let's get wicked with today's dark tale told by Addison Peacock, featuring a custom score by Nico Viteze of the Inky Paw Print. Her Drowned Envy by Alexis de Bon. Spears of grass all damp with dew clung to my bare feet. Grass so wet it feels like it should be cold, but nothing is cold anymore. The dawning sun hangs swollen in the sky, mirroring my overripe belly, making my blood-enameled thighs glow in the orange light. I lacquer the field in crimson with each step, marching across the endless green toward the birthing pond. 
trying not to crumple in pain halfway the way so many women do. Careful not to slip on the ruby-slick landscape already soggy and oversaturated, cutting through thick, swampy air. I have to make it to the pond. Birth the baby underwater. Wait for it to rise. His face will cut through the surface. His round baby belly will be a smooth little island. Only the strongest will surface. The ones who can survive this new world. This wet sky and weighty damp. There hasn't been a baby strong enough to float for as long as I can remember. Not since I was a child myself. Not a single baby born with the lungs to buoy them to life. I've pictured this moment a thousand times, and now that it's here, I am more certain than ever. I will be the one. I will know motherhood. Prove that life can persist, that this dampness won't drown out mankind. My baby will mean there's a future. I will be the woman who ushers in hope for humanity. So many have been denied. But not me. I refuse to fail. I will not return without a child. I am owed that much. Fruitless births are expected. And though the women who carried these doomed things inside of them, who hoped for a child and bled and cried for nothing, returned home in defeat. At least they have people to return to. I have nothing. No one. I have always been alone. And here I stand at the mouth of the birthing pond, in the middle of an empty pasture, Unafraid of the solitude that surrounds me. Most women say that's the worst part. But I am as alone anywhere else as I am here. Alone in this silent morning. Alone in the shallow water. My body quakes. It's coming soon. I am alone for the last time. Reeds bend toward me, too sodden to stand upright, collapsing under the weight of the air. They look as if they are bowing. They bow to my baby as it crowns, defiant and determined and ready to breathe. You will live, I say between cries. You are the one. Beads of salt water drop from my brow and into the freshwater pond that's seen so many should-be mothers and their sweat, so many grieving women and their tears, so much salt and sacrifice, so much blood and death and never new life in return. But today is different. Today is mine. All the breath rushes from my lungs as I push and contract, push and wail into the suffocating air. That thick, 
foggy air as heavy as glass, shattering to liquid shards against the force of my screams. I duck down beneath the pond water, lie flat against its silty bottom, paint it red. Blood spools from my body, dissipating like smoke, rising and dancing in the ripples of my contractions. Sanguine flames engulfing me until all I am is inferno. One last scream boils from my mouth as bubbled chaos explodes against the stifled air above. The baby is out, and I drag myself above the surface, gasping for breath, waiting for him to meet me. Slowly, he floats to the algae-freckled surface, rising like mercury. His back breaks through to the wet air above, turned the wrong way. He doesn't scream. He doesn't breathe. I lift his tiny body, heavier than it should be. His face is slack, gray. His eyes are swollen, and his lips are cold. Nothing is cold anymore, except my son. I try to shake him to life, but his head only lolls, loose, limp. The baby is dead. The pond rises with my tears. Reeds shake behind me, announcing that I am no longer alone. Not even a moment to spend with my misery. I'm going to bury the baby in the bank of the pond. It's a rushed job, sloppy, but the intrusion jars me with panic. I suck sounds of grief back into my mouth and hide. A woman approaches, fighting her way through the wet canary grass. Wails like bolts of lightning slice through my fresh anguish, my sorrow overshadowed by bellowing hope. Still searing with the pain of a torn body, still trailing blood, I keep silent. The woman enters the water, unaware of my eyes on her, and sits with her knees bent into herself, shoulder deep. I don't need to see her face to know. Even from behind, she's unmistakable. Aileen, those cries that sound like birdsong, that hair that waterfalls down her back, soft and clean, silky even in the dense, disgusting air. If it wasn't for all this water, this constant hovering vapor, Aileen would have seen what everyone else could see. But mirrors have long since become obsolete, too beaded with dewy specks of condensation to show anything but a clouded silhouette. Like Faleen, I've never seen my own face. But I know enough to be envious. With fingers that were never quite as long and slender as hers, I've traced my features. Lashes that don't feel rich and lush the way hers are. 
lips easily lost beneath my touch, not like the plump, pink pillows that stretch across Faylene's face when she smiles, which is all the time. Besides, I can tell from the way people look at me that I'm no great beauty. Faylene has everything. And now she will have a baby, too. <laughs> it was always going to be her. This baby will be the one. The baby born of Faylene's perfection. Born of a woman whose life has never known sorrow, or failure, or want. It should have been me. Screams shake the earth for hours, and I stay stone still, out of sight, hidden beneath the drooping reeds. I am folded, too, quietly quivering from the pain of birth that shreds my body. But I'm too focused on this endless aching moment to succumb and make a sound. Not even a whimper leaves my lips. I will be a mother. I just have to be patient. Not until the sky turns black does Faylene deliver. Her cries halt for a moment, and everything is silent with anticipation. The air, for once, is light, made of a million angels all holding their breath. The darkness of a moonless night blankets the field, the pond, Faylene, but when an unfamiliar pitch ruptures the emptiness, I know exactly what it is. Victory. Feline dissolves into laughter. All the stars that hid in the black sky, waiting with hope and worry, reveal themselves and shine down on her. The pond dances in celebration under their twinkling light. She is the first mother of the new world. Her blood, red as rose petals, blooms in the water, its fecund fragrance concealing the sharp tang of my congealing placenta. Rotting in the marsh, unceremoniously discarded in my hurry to hide. The salt of Faline's sweat joins the sweet smell of birth blood, earthy and rich, swallowing the vinegar stench of denied motherhood. I emerge through the reeds at last, wielding the rock I've been gripping for what feels like forever. I return to town, met with thunderous applause. Tears stream down faces already beaded with moisture. Sprays of water fly from clapping hands. I hold new life in my arms. Humanity may yet survive because of me. I will never be alone again because of him. They all watched through the windows, too devastated by habit to hope, as two women left for the pond. But they are used to women not returning, and no alarms are raised when Faline does not follow my arrival. Childbirth is perilous, even in easy times. They might not even notice she's still gone. Faylene has never been overlooked. If only she were alive to see it, 
to feel the invisibility that is so familiar to me. No one even mentions her name. When they realize she hasn't come home, they'll all assume she didn't make it through her birth. So many women don't. For the first time, she'll be ordinary. They have no reason to think she's lying at the bottom of the pond, head caved in just above her left eye. Motherhood is everything I knew it would be. The baby takes to latching easily, painlessly. He sleeps through the night and rises with the sun. He coos and smiles like he understands the miracle he is. A month of laughter and peace. Mother and baby, me and him, and the glory of dreams come true. For a full cycle of the moon, I know unblemished joy. Never alone anymore. Now it's me and him. It isn't until the emptiness of a black sky that he cries. The first time a moonless night blankets our home. I try to sing to him. Try to comfort him. I tell him that he's mine and we will be together always. That I love him and no harm will ever come. That he is the start of a new world. That he is so special, my baby. But he does not stop. He pulls away, shrieking and howling. Tries to free himself of my grasp. I offer him my breast and it calms him. My motherly instincts are strong. So attuned to him, so natural. I was made for this. No one has to teach me a thing. I doubt anyone would have anything to teach. The last generation of mothers is gone, unable to withstand the wet air in old age. No one still living would have any experience to share. There, there, I whisper. Baby is only hungry. The pain from his suckle strikes hard. My milk is too hot as it passes through me, into his eager mouth. He sucks greedily from my body, but it struggles to reach him. And he sucks harder. It feels curdled. Clumpy. Pain radiates through my body, and I pull away. Mother's milk dribbles down his chin, but it's wrong. It's gray and watery. Murky. Silt-speckled. Peppered with sediment. A slight green tint coats it like varnish. He cries again and reaches for more. Though it hurts, I endure. I cannot stand to see my prince unhappy. Grains of dirt leave my body and tears fall from my eyes. Faelene could never persist through this pain. I was made for motherhood. This is as it had to be. I wipe algae from his chin. The baby does not stop until morning. I put the night behind me. It had to have been a bad dream. 
despite the lingering scald in my body that insists otherwise. Another month passes, all giggles and glee. He is growing and becoming so strong. A hardy baby, a survivor, a champion. But under the darkness of another moonless sky, he cries again, screaming, wailing, animal sounds that pierce my skull, unnatural sounds no baby should make. I try to convince myself that I'm dreaming again, but I know that's not true. I try to convince myself that there are some things new mothers can't be prepared for. Maybe this is normal. But the scent of blood fills my nose. That sweet blood. Feline's blood. Too sweet, too floral. And I remember the stink of my own afterbirth, like rot and vinegar and garbage. I push those memories away. This is my baby. There is nothing to worry about. There, there, I whisper. Baby is only hungry. He latches and suckles, and I am incinerated. Fire rips through me. Everything burns. I remember the cold lips of my firstborn, and remember to be grateful for the heat. Heat means he's alive. Greedy boy, he's taken more than his stomach can fit. Baby spits up, spewing cloudy gray filth from his precious mouth, and the night pulls away from me as I collapse in pain. The morning light reveals crusts of blood over my breast, a bed drenched and filthy. Dead tadpoles streak the sheets. Algae and marsh grass cling to my body. My baby's face is smeared in grime and blood clots, the cloying sweetness of decaying reeds, the copper tang of a weeping wound. When the black sky night comes a third time, I embrace to expect it. If such is the price of motherhood, I accept. The pain of pond water feedings is torturous, but... It's one night. I should appreciate the reminder. That water brought him safely into the world. It marks the miracle of his birth, a commemoration made by my own body. With the darkness come his tears. I raise him to my breast, exhausted already from the anticipation of pain. He suckles, but I have nothing to give. His screams rattle my spine. His hands grab tiny fingernails scraping across my skin. His face goes red with fury at a hunger I can't satisfy. Soft strokes against his downy head aren't enough to soothe him. Sweet melodies sung only slightly out of key don't calm him. My voice isn't as beautiful as Feline's. Isn't a voice made for singing. Caresses and lullabies aren't what he wants anyway. He wants to be fed. I try again and again, but I am empty. He only cries harder. I know what he needs, and if he can't get it from me, he'll still have it. Baby will get his water. 
all the way across the field, over the wet grass and deeper into the mist, through the soggy shield of reed, back to where we first came into each other's lives. Here, at the pond's edge, the fog is thick. Sheets of suspended liquid turn the air to glass. Heavy, almost solid with moisture. The vapors that hover around me pick up what little gleam the stars offer and reflect their light, making a mirror of the haze. I see my reflection for the first time. I see my own body. My face. The baby wails in my arms, but I'm so struck by this revelation, I barely hear him. The figure before me is a bit gauzy, just clear enough to see that I am striking. My lips are full and plum purple, stunning. My eyes are light and milky, unlike any I've ever seen. My cheeks, though sunken, glow even in the darkness of the night. A glitter like my skin is made of dewdrops. In the mirror of the fog, my baby is so much more still than when I look down at the kicking boy in my arm. In the mirror, he's sleeping. He's smaller, too, like when he was new. Baby reaches, grabs at the reflection. He smiles, even though this is his night to cry. A smile bigger than I've ever seen. His wails are giggles now, and he stretches forward toward the fog with eager little fingers. His reflection does not mirror his impatience. Spellbound by my own beauty, I lean in to inspect the blurry image more closely. He squeals with joy as my movement brings him nearer. Even at this distance, it is difficult to make out the details of my face in the gossamer glass. I step forward, too mesmerized to notice the tangle of reeds at my feet. Caught in the knot, I tumble forward, shattering the mist. With the baby in my arms, I can't use my hands to break the fall. I will not let him go. My arms clasp tighter around him to shield him from the impact, and I plunge through the surface of the pond, down to the bottom, where a red-stained rock waits for me. A hollow thud drums against my skull, and my vision goes black as the night. Cracked bone leaks brain fluid. Blood swells my eyelids shut. Still, I cling to the baby. I cling to him until there is no strength in my arms. Until something pulls him away and he is gone. Blood and salt and silt fill my lungs and all I feel is cold. All I hear is the sound of laughter. Layered laughter. Mirrored giggles. A voice I know. Bird song, so much more beautiful than mine. A harmonized blur of happy sounds falling further and further away until they vanish. I'm left with the familiar scent of blood 
and the familiar silence of solitude. I shut my eyes in the murk of the pond, knowing I will never open them again. Thank you for listening to episode number 1208. Today's author was Alexis Dubon with her tale, Her Drowned Envy. Today's story was told by Addison Peacock. I'm Daniel Foytek, and I've been your host today. Our resident composer and executive producer is Nico Viteze of the Inky Paw Print. Artwork for today's episode was created by Greg Schaefer. To find out more about the Wicked Library and other Ninth Story Studio shows, visit thewickedlibrary.com and ninthstory.com. If you'd like to help keep this collection of dark tales coming, please support the Wicked Library on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash wicked library. You can also help by leaving a five-star rating and short review in Apple Podcasts. These ratings and reviews help other listeners find the show, which helps generate revenue to ensure no one contributing to the show works for free. The Wicked Library is created by Ninth Story Studios, LLC. All rights reserved.